Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So Dwight, since our last one talked about war, we should probably talk about how to do grand battles. That doesn't look like I'm having to sit here and roll a coffee can of dice to roll for all the low-level pe- peasants that botch their sword, their sword swing. Yeah, so here's what I would do. So grand battle means you're uh, you're going to have thousands of people fighting thousands of people. It's like you know, uh, seen out of Lord of the Rings where you're watching all the er- uh, the orcs come down and to hit all the, you know, the Rohirrim and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you play that? How do you roll that? First thing I do is I take the game mat and I throw out five foot squares. <laughs> Just throw it out. So what I'll do is I'll create, figure out exactly how many, how big do the squares need to be? Are they 20 foot, 50 foot, 100 feet? squares and i'll just tell the players i'll even write it on the map one square equals 50 feet and then what i'll do is i'll figure out exactly how many archers i want to put in that square how many infantry men do i want to put in that square Mm -hmm. and in this case i'm thinking like maybe combat in terms of medieval uh fighting so i have knights i have armored knights i have horse i have fighters i have you know all this stuff and then of course because we're playing a DD type of game or a high fantasy type of game maybe i have mages now in a mage i'm just going to put a mage in their own 50 foot square because mages are going to do battle a lot differently than anybody else so what i'll do is i'll just start putting i'll put one guy who represents maybe 100 archers and another guy who represents maybe 50 foot soldiers and i'll just make that and denote it on my game map so that everybody knows and then i'll ask them what square they're going to be in and then i'll just pick one person to represent the entire party team unless of course they're running or leading other groups of people now that makes it manageable for the board now let's talk about actual combat because that's the hard part that people don't understand Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to roll for, I'm not going to roll a hundred archers rolls. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to sit here and get carpal tunnel ro- rolling a bunch of times. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give them a volley order. I'm going to grab their bonuses. And because they're all shooting at a, at a volley, they're going to basically take, they're going to cover a square. So if 20, if my squares are 20 feet and I have an archers, uh, as many archers as they can fit in 20 feet, they're going to cover a 20 foot square. They're going to pepper it to death. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to fire. If they roll a critical hit, they're going to do bonus damage on that. They're going to like the angle of the bows were just perfect to kind of get above people's shields and hit them in the neck type of a thing. And they're going to do a lot of damage to wherever they're firing at. If they do a critical failure and they recover. And by the way, most of the time, like we're really going to, they are going to recover. It's not even going to be a big deal. Like they're going to have so many bonuses to, quote unquote decks in this case, like they, they can't actually critically fail. But let's say you had a bunch of low level archers fielding the field, a um, bunch of peasants who took up bows and haven't really been practiced in it. They could critically fail. Let's say they do critically fail. Well then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna argue that they instead of hitting the square they wanted, they hit several squares behind it. You know, um like not in terms of like they hit it, they hit early. So they're way in front of the enemy, which could result in them hitting their own foot soldiers and their own cavalry. Mm-hmm. And I would rule that several, maybe several of them get killed from uh, friendly fire, if you will. Um, but otherwise, typically what will happen is if they critically, quote unquote, miss, what will happen is they'll just shoot 
their arrows like right in front of the square that they really wanted to hit or something like that. Or they it just doesn't matter. They didn't give just as much power as they needed to hit them. So yeah. they're still peppered in area, but they're just wasted arrows. Yeah. The person that called the volley didn't tell them to line up right. Like, and they just, they shot too, or they arched too high, right? And so the arch was too high and it just hit and it like missed everybody by feet. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Now, mages are a different deal. So um, when you're going to take a mage into this, if you're going to take a battle mage in, remember battle mages are going to do either one of two types of spells. They're either going to do battlefield control spells. So I'm talking about uh, a line of grease, a wall of fire, a wall of air to block arrows, um, maybe a stone wall, some sort of thing where I'm going to shape how the battlefield now has to look. So your cavalry just don't have the ability to come and charge my foot soldiers or my archers. Because now they're surrounded by a wall of fire. They can shoot over it. They can see over it. But your horses are not going to charge through it. Mm-hmm. Or if they do, they're going to take a ton of damage doing so. Um, and I'm going to make you ride a lot of handle animal checks as a group and everything else. Because you're, it's, it's crazy. You know, trying to take a trained horse through a wall of fire. I don't care how good you are. The horse is still going to need to be some sort of check. You know, to check the horse to, to make sure that they'll do it. I mean book in the real world we have to specifically train horses to negate their fear of fire to have them jump through hoops so and chances are you didn't do that for your thousand war horses i mm-hmm. mean they might be good with loud noises they might be good with other things but you didn't train them to literally wall ride through walls of flame um for no reason so anyway that said you the mages can do a lot of battlefield control grease is a great spell but something like sleep is worthless um, the other th- op- the other option is you can do bigger spells like a fireball or things of that nature that have a lot of a, a hit and a splash range damage. But again, if you're looking at a 20 foot square and your or a 50 foot square, you might only be hitting one square with your fireball. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. But spells like magic missile are pretty much worthless, except if you're targeting like a general on the other side, but or another uh, battle mage or somebody of importance but even then typically all you're going to be relegated to is long spells because if you get in if you get into a medium or a close range those archers are literally going to turn and volley on your square Mm -hmm. because why wouldn't they and you're going to get pegged with literally a percentage of arrows at that point yep you know because you know that's just it so doing large field battles are a pain in the neck But what I like to do then is I also like to draw the map of what the battle lines look like and what the conflict would look like if both sides are fighting on a flat field. Now, if I'm going to do an ambush type of situation, then I better make sure that the terrain is in a good spot so that you can have an ambush, right? You're either going down like a wooded path or maybe you're one side of you is, uh, you know, you're at the bottom of a ravine on one side of you. Maybe it's open on the other, but that leads you to be able to be attacked from above, Yes, give bonuses for people that are attacking from above. Give uh, minuses to people that are attacking from underneath. You can also look at um, these big battles, too. You could also look at what other kind of things are they doing. Are they bringing out, are are they coming out with trebuchets or other sorts of uh, really slow but heavy equipment to take to another battle? Is that what they're doing? Is this why you're here to cut that off? So maybe your uh, maybe the battle itself is a thing where the goal isn't to kill everybody. The goal is to kill one thing. And once mm-hmm. you've killed that one thing, you all can disengage. Um, so that's helpful too. And then the last thing I'll do is I'll actually talk about 
uh, what I'll do in there is after I've planned out the field, I'll make sure I have the hills and some of the other stuff kind of in a topographic fashion. Because you want to make sure that your mages are going to be standing on top of hills. Your generals are going to be standing on top of hills. Now, standing on top of hills is great, except it also makes you a great target for a lightning bolt or something else. Because even though it goes in a straight line, if I'm on the top of my hill and you're on the top of your hill, I can do a straight line over the heads of literally everybody there and only hit you. Or even if you're in the where all the battle is, you can always see the guy on the top of the hill. It wouldn't be hard to do a straight line. Yep. Just, yeah, you probably only kill the first four or five people in front of you. But after that, it's going to go up over their heads and hit the guy on the hill. And so just remember, anybody standing on a hill is a target and should be treated as such. And mages are going to be targets as much as humanly possible because of who they are. So make sure that your mage is being guarded by a troop of soldiers um, to prevent other soldiers from getting to them. Because as we all know, a mage is really good in battle as long as there's a, you know, as we would like to call a meat shield in front of them. If you remove all of those and you put them down on the, on the plains and you have this lone mage standing on top of a hill that's a 50-foot long square, the entire archery department might just like, you know, forget about these uh, horses. Forget about these archers and these other guys coming at us. Why don't we all just start pegging that mage up there? Because that mage could actually do a lot more damage with a fireball to us than anybody else here. Or well-placed spell to change the battlefield, and now everything goes against you. You know, you could do, um, you know, like stone to mud. You can change the entire battlefield, or at least a line of it, into a mud. If you have a group of people that are on fast, like wargs or horses or whatever, they're crossing at really high speed, and the next thing you know, the next 10 feet of ground is not really ground anymore. How many legs did you break? Mm-hmm. Even if you're looking at modern warfare and you're looking at tanks or motorcycles ground, and I and I remove the ground from being solid, those tanks have now gone straight into the ground. Even though they're not going to necessarily get killed there, I've rendered them worthless and I've created a wall for myself. Mm-hmm. So the guys that were coming after before, you know, behind the tanks to go do cleanup for the tanks are now stuck having to get around the tanks. So in a lot of ways, if you think about it, your mages for – if you're a game master, make sure the majors you bring to task are thinking battlefield control, not just straight damage. And yeah, give them a couple straight damage spells to do something nasty. But for the most part, a disintegrate is not as much worth as literally like transmuting the ground into mud. So that is – one of many ways to run a battle. Um, hopefully, you know, given the amount of things that we covered in here, you should have an idea for how to take your next battle forward. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to skullrpg.com.